God. Would you take your Bible, please, and join me in the book of Psalms, Psalm 92, this morning. We're going to begin at verse 12, Psalm 92 and verse 12. I'm going to be sharing three passages of Scripture with you this morning. We'll begin here in the book of Psalms, and we're going to be working on the word still. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. How many of you know that he's God? Psalm 92, verse 12, it says, The righteous man will flourish like a palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still yield fruit in old age, and they shall be full of sap and very green. To declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Father God, we thank you because you are faithful and good and you are present in our life. We thank you, Lord, for this past week, which we spent with our families and in the reflection of your faithfulness and goodness to us. And today, as we come to your word, I pray that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach and teach the word of the living God and also anoint this congregation that they might bear fruit as a result of the food and uh, the word implanted in their hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. The psalmist begins this morning by talking about the righteous. And this morning, as we talk about the righteous, I want you to note some of the characteristics of the righteous that we see uh, in this passage of Scripture. He says, the righteous man will flourish like a palm tree and will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. We begin this year talking about righteousness. God began to focus our attention on righteousness in the month of December or as, uh, and January as we thought about the phrase in the book of Deuteronomy that says, pursue, pursue righteousness that you may live and enjoy the land. And this morning we continue in that understanding that the blessing of God comes to the righteous. Victory comes to the righteous. And the Bible says that though a righteous man falls, he will rise up again. And though he falls seven times, seven times he will get back up. How many righteous people are in the house of God this morning? The Bible says that we have become the righteousness of God by faith. The righteousness is not the result of our actions. It's not the result of our good works or our uh, religious activity. But it is the result of our faith place in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is through his righteousness that we have been made righteous. And by faith in him, you and I can stand before God fully and completely forgiven and upright without anything between us and the Lord because of his faithfulness and goodness in being righteous toward us. He imparts righteousness to us. He removes his, uh, our sin from our account and gives us the perfect righteousness of, of his son through the shed blood of Jesus. And the Bible says that the righteous man will flourish. We have here the illustration of two trees. First of all, the palm tree and then the cedar tree. The palm tree is uh, the type of tree that is flexible and enduring. It is able to withstand a severe winds and storms and often is able to bend without breaking. And the psalmist says, when I look at the life of the righteous, 
I see that no matter what happens in his life or her life, he remains standing. And so this morning, I want you to tell your neighbor, I'm still standing. I know all of you, whether young or old, have experienced various types of challenges in life. Storms that have come sometimes unexpected and unencouraged into your life. And yet you're still standing today because the righteous will flourish like the palm tree. God has made you enduring and he has made you strong. He has made you be able to adapt to the winds of time and the currents of culture. And when the storm is past, you found, I thought I had fallen, but I am still standing. The Bible said there was a man who built his house upon the rock. And the winds came and the rain fell and the storm blew hard against the house, but it did not fall. It wasn't the man and it wasn't his house, but it was the rock that sustained him. And today you and I can have that same story in our life. None of us can hold back the storms and none of us can cause it to not rain or not uh, the wind not to blow. But there is a foundation upon which we can build our life that when the storm passes, we rise up again and declare, I'm still standing. Say it again this morning. I'm still standing. He says he will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. You and I are familiar with the cedar trees in Texas. They are strong, but they're not very tall. And if you've ever had to uh, pull out or uproot a cedar tree, you know how much work that can be. But in the Middle East, the cedars, they grow straight and tall. And they become a, a, mighty, a, a mighty weapon in the hand of a warrior that needs to build ships. An army that needs ships is able to build powerful uh, ships with long beams. And when Solomon was beginning to build the house of God, the temple at Jerusalem, he got the cedars from Lebanon. Those, tall, those long, tall uh, structures were able to withstand the great pressure that would be placed upon them by the edifice and the roof uh, built in stone that Solomon had, uh, had erected for the house of God. And so the psalmist says here, my faith, my righteousness uh, has made me like a, a strong and, uh, and mighty tree, like a cedar in Lebanon, able to withstand the pressures of life. When you are rooted and grounded in God as a believer, when your faith is in Jesus Christ as your Lord, you can withstand the pressures of life. Life will put on you things you think you can't bear. But God is stronger than life. And God is stronger than the pressures that can come into your life. And whatever that pressure may be, you can rejoice in it. The, the Apostle Paul said, I rejoice in tribulation. That word tribulation means pressure. Because he said, I know that it is producing in me an extremely great weight of glory. In other words, the pressure of life is producing strength and character in my life. And it is producing something in me. Therefore, I can rejoice. Somebody ought to give God praise this morning. Even if you're under pressure, give him praise because he has made you stronger and mightier than you thought you were. I'm still standing. Why am I still standing? Why am I still able to go forward and to be a strong in the things of God? He says in verse 13, because he was planted in the house of the Lord. He says, planted in the house of the Lord, 
they will flourish in the courts of our God. You know, every single person that wants to be able to stand and endure the difficulties of life needs to be planted in the household of God. First of all, this refers to the family of God. When a person becomes a believer in Jesus Christ, they are adopted into the family of God. And they receive the indwelling spirit of God. And that's why we're still standing today. Because you have received power. That kind of power that is able to give you grace to endure and to fulfill the mission and purpose of God in your life. That power that comes from being a believer and a born-again Christian is resident in your life to make you strong, to make you enduring. And that's why you didn't give up. That's why when they discouraged you, you kept standing. That's why when they talked about you, you kept standing. That's why when they criticized you, you kept standing because you are planted in the household of God. How many of you can say it this morning? I'm still standing. And then this refers to being in a local church, to being a part of a local family of believers. Let's say you go to the uh, the plant nursery and buy a tree, maybe a lemon tree or an apple tree or a, uh, a, an olive tree or just a plain old oak tree. And every week you put it in the ground and then you say, you know what, I like it better on that side of the yard. So you dig it up and you put it over there on that side of the yard. And then next week you say, you know what, I think that looks better in the front yard. And you move it to the front yard and this goes on for a long time. And then you wonder, I wonder why this tree doesn't give me any lemons. It doesn't give me any fruit because it doesn't have any roots. You need to be planted in a house of God. And there are people that do that with their spiritual life. They go to one church one day, another church another, and constantly moving around, and they don't develop any roots, and they don't have a spiritual uh, structure around them to encourage and strengthen them, and then they wonder, why don't I bear any fruit? You need to be a part of a local church, a body of believers, where we can encourage one another and strengthen one another in this most holy faith. The Apostle Paul tells us that every member of the body has gifts. You have gifts and I have gifts. And I don't have all the gifts and neither do you. And just imagine if I had all the gifts, I wouldn't even have to come to church. I could just preach to myself, pray for myself, give to myself, encourage myself, and so on and so forth. But God has given everybody different gifts. And you have something I need. And I have something you need. And when the body comes together and the house of faith begins to cooperate as a body in unity, then those gifts begin to encourage and strengthen all of the body. And all of us are able to grow as a body and our individual life as believers. And so you need uh, to be planted in the house of God. Are you planted in the house of God? Do you have spiritual leadership in your life? Do you have a pastor or elder in your life that can tell you, hey, that's not right? Well, pastor, I don't like to be corrected. Well, if you don't like to be corrected, then you can't grow. Because you see, growth comes by training, by correction. And so we need to be planted somewhere where we can grow and develop and be pruned and be shaped and receive the word of God in season for our life. And so I want you to understand the reason you're still standing is because the grace of God is inside of you and you are rooted in a house of God that God is blessing and that God is speaking to. Somebody give God praise this morning. Say it again. I'm still standing. Are you still standing this morning? 
Have you been tested and tried and pressured by life, and yet you remain standing because of the grace of God and the presence of the Spirit of God in your life? In verse 14, he says, they will surely yield fruit in old age. Now, I made sure and looked around this morning. I didn't see any old people in here. But someday when you get old, God says if, the, if you get old, uh, if you keep walking with God in righteousness, you're going to get old sooner or later. But you're not going to stop standing up and bearing fruit. You're not going to stop being fruitful even in your old age. Come on, somebody. Let all the young people say amen in the house of God. He says he will yield fruit in old age and shall be full of sap and very green. That's talking about a life that never gives up, a life that never gets old, a life that's always producing, always enduring, always seeing God work and God move in your life. I don't know about you, but I want to get old and still be serving the Lord, still be preaching the gospel, still be seeing souls one for Christ, still be bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. Still be standing. And this morning, I want to encourage you to stay in that position of righteousness. Stay in that place of right standing with God. What is that place? It's a place of faith. Because when you move out of that to your own righteousness, you have to depend on your own strength. And that strength will fail. The Bible tells us that the strength, that the, the, the flesh cannot profit anything. The flesh bears no fruit. The flesh has no life in it. You have to stay in the spirit. And if you walk by the spirit, then you will stand by the spirit. Say amen, somebody. And if you stand by the spirit, you will win by the spirit. He said, fight the good fight of faith. Stand your ground as a believer, and you will see that God honors the righteous. And that he blesses those who are his own. Why are you still standing? He says to declare, verse 15, the, the, that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Why are you still going this morning? Why are you still strong in the faith? Still worshiping God? Still uh, being faithful in your tithe and offering? It's so that you can be a testimony of the faithfulness of God to this generation. So that when people see you, they'll say, look what God has done. And they'll say, you know what, I remember when. I remember before they started going to church, before they became a Christian. I remember how they lived, how they talked, how they, how they conducted their relationships, how they uh, did their job at work. But now I see a difference in them. I see that, that things are going up all the time. They're always increasing, always prospering, always blessing. Why? Because there's a God in your life who's keeping you strong and steady in this life. Say amen, somebody. You have a testimony this morning of the faithfulness and the goodness of God. And just the simple fact that you have endured thus far is proof enough that God has been good in your life. If he's been good, shout amen. amen. Now go with me to the book of Joshua. In Joshua chapter 14, we find a man who was, uh, according to scripture, an old man. He was 85 years old. And when he was a 40 years old, so 45 years prior to this, uh, more or less, Caleb had been one of the 12 spies that entered into the promised land. The children of Israel had come out of Egypt. They came to the border of the promised land on the river Jordan. And they were in that place that they were about to enter what God had promised to them through their father Abraham. And so they sent in 12 spies. And the spies 
went in and they saw the length and breadth of the land. And they were there 40 days and took great records of all the things they saw. But when they came back, they had an interesting story to tell. They said, this is a land flowing with milk and honey. A land of prosperity, a land of, of great flourishing, of, of great bounty. But there are giants in that land. And there are cities in that land that have walls that are fortified and gates that are impenetrable. And they said, we cannot conquer this land. And so they discouraged the people. Ten of the, uh, of the uh, spies were bringing a negative report concerning the promise of God. And two of them were named Joshua and Caleb. And they said, no, 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 you don't, you don't understand. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. And there's uh, cities and there are great, uh, great uh, walls to be sure. But God is able to give us the city. They said, we are able to go up and take this land. And we are able to possess it. And we are able to conquer those giants. They said, those giants are nothing for us. They will be bread for us. And yet the people believed the negative report. They got discouraged. They became despondent. They gave up. They gave up on their promise. They gave up on God's best for their life. And they gave up on the, on the very thing that God had made a covenant with Abraham to give them. And so God spoke up and he said, all right, here's the deal. He said, every one of you who's 20 years and older is going to die in this desert. Because you said that I would let your children die in the desert. Now you're going to die in this desert. And it's going to be your children that are going to possess the promised land. And they all said, uh-oh. And uh, they knew that they had failed in the most critical test of life. Listen, church, you don't want to ever give up on the promise of God in your life. I don't care what happens. I don't care who says what and how many who says there are. You stand up and believe God. Somebody ought to believe God this morning. You can't afford to walk in unbelief and in fear. Forty years passed, and every last one of that generation died in the wilderness, except for Caleb and Joshua, those who had given the report of faith. They entered into the promised land. They crossed the Jordan on dry ground, and they, they did war. They made war against the Canaanites for these years, and God gave them city after city after city and region after region. He gave them houses they didn't build, wells they didn't dig, vineyards they didn't plant. He gave them a great portion of the land. And in verse, and in chapter 13 of Joshua, uh, God says to uh, Joshua, there is still very much land to be possessed. They had conquered a lot, but they hadn't conquered it all. They hadn't yet taken all that God had for them. And so we see here in, in uh, Joshua chapter 14 and verse 10 that Caleb speaks up. And he says, behold, the Lord promised. He has kept me alive these 45 years since he spoke his word to Moses while Israel was wandering in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. And he said, I am still as strong today as I was the day Moses sent me out. Somebody say amen. 
He said, as my strength was then, so my strength is now. Now, I have met a few uh, 85-year-olds in my life. I've never met one that was as strong at 85 as they were when they were 40. But here Caleb says, I am as strong today as I was when I was 40 years old. And Moses gave me a promise from God saying that I would possess these hills and this hill country. He says these important words, I still can. Somebody say that with me this morning. I still can. Say it again. I still can. Oh, you have to make a decision. Sometimes when it all seems lost and it seems like uh, you missed the boat, or as we say in Spanish, se te pasó el tren. When it seems like the moment of opportunity has been missed, that you look around and you say, I have no one to encourage me. And I lost a lot of time. And I lost a lot of money. And I missed some opportunities. But you have to rise up in faith and say, I am still standing and I still can. I still can possess the promises of God for my life. And I still can possess this great uh, opportunity. He says, I am still as strong today. He says, therefore, give me the hill country that the Lord promised me on that day, as you yourself heard when you were at the Anakim. And so Caleb goes with the strength of the Lord, and he conquers the land that God had given to him, saying, I still can. This morning, I want you to look at those lost and missed opportunities. At that time you seemed you have lost. At that strength that seemed that has failed you. I want you to look at it, at it and speak in faith and say, I still can because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not too late. It, the time is not past. My hour is not over. God is still at work in my life. Oh, friend, if you have a promise from God, we read it last week. Though the vision tarry, wait for it. You can still have what God promised you. You don't have to give up because God hasn't given up. And he is still good for his word in your life. The Bible says God is not a man that he should lie. Nor the son of man that he should change his mind. What he has spoken, that he will also do. Do you believe that about God this morning? then you can say, I still can. Say it again. I still can. What can you do this morning? Maybe there are dreams and visions you had in your life that you, uh, th you thought you would have by now, and you haven't seen them yet. It seems like God is delayed concerning his promise. God is not slow, and God does not delay. God is just waiting on you and, and, and looking to you to continue to trust in him and believe until his time comes and until the season is manifest in your life. And when you, and uh, like Caleb, rise up to believe God in the face of impossibility, then you will see God make the impossible possible in your life and remove the strongest giants and the mightiest mountains from your way. You still can because God still can in your life. Say amen, somebody. Give the Lord praise because he is conquering and giving you victory. In every season of life. Now we come to the book of Mark. The Bible tells us there about a woman. And this woman was a Syrophoenician. She was a Gentile. An outsider from the nation of Israel. And Jesus had come into a house where he was being hosted having a meal, maybe a conversation on theology. And this uh, 
This was a time when Jesus was trying to stay hidden from the crowds. He didn't want them to know that he was the Messiah, yet his time had not yet come. And so it's kind of a quiet affair. And then all of a sudden, this woman shows up and comes and bows down before him and starts crying out to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on me because my daughter is uh, gravely possessed by a demon. And the Bible says that Jesus did not respond. He didn't, he just ignored her. It, at least it seemed that way. He didn't give her even a passing glimpse or a, uh, a, a look. And this woman, when she saw that Jesus did not respond to her, she didn't give up and she didn't quit. She decided, I will still worship. Somebody say, I'm still worshiping. She didn't receive an answer from God, but she decided, I am still going to worship. I am still going to pray. I am still going to believe. Is there anybody in here that's still worshiping, that's still believing, that's still praying this morning? Oh, I know that, that it doesn't always add up because we have Christian formulas that are very basic. Have a problem, pray about it. God sends an answer. So she did exactly that. She had a problem. She took it to Jesus. Jesus ignored it. Uh-oh, what do I do with this? They didn't teach me this in Sunday school. This is a crisis. This is a problem. What do you do when God is silent, when it seems that God doesn't care or that God doesn't know? That's the time when you decide, I am still going to worship. I don't worship because, uh, because God does good things in my life, and when he doesn't, then I'm quiet. No, I worship because he's God. I worship because he's worthy. I worship because he's good. I worship because I know that he is faithful. Come on, somebody. Are you, are you able to worship God when he's quiet, when it seems like he's ignoring you, when it seems like he is too quiet for comfort like he was in the life of Habakkuk? That's the moment when it counts. Everybody can worship when your team is winning uh, the game. Everyone can worship when your health is at its best. Everyone can worship when you have a bonus in your check. But there is a worship that comes from maturity. It's a kind of worship that comes not because of the things happening around me, but simply because I know that he is God and that he is worthy of my highest praise. Somebody ought to give praise to God this morning. In spite of the silence, in spite of the quiet in your life, you can expect God to work on behalf of those who worship. And so she continued in worship, and she said, yes, Lord. But even the, uh, 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 she continued to worship, saying, Lord, have mercy. And so the Lord now answers her, but he gives her an answer that she didn't expect. He says to her, can I give the, the, the bread that belongs to the children to the dogs? Now, isn't that just like Jesus? He's like, Lord, I ask you this question. You're telling me this riddle. Over here, I don't, I don't understand. I don't really have time for all this. My, my daughter is grievously possessed by a demon. My little girl, Jesus, don't you get it? I don't have time for this type of thing. He says to her, I'm not going to give the children's bread to the dogs. It was really an insult in a sense because the, the Gentiles were considered dogs. And he was saying, look, lady, 
It's not your time. You're going to have to wait in line. This is a Jewish dispensation. I came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I didn't come to the Gentiles yet. That day will come later. But she was not willing to take no for an answer. God is looking for somebody to say, you know what? I'm going to worship even when the answer is not what I want or what I want to hear. Come on, somebody. I'm going to worship him because I know he's wiser than all of my teachers. I know that his ways are higher than my ways and that his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And so she says, yes, Lord. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. She continued her prayer, her worship before God. She did what the Bible says. We enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. She decided, you know what? I've got to get in one way or another. It may not be my turn, but I am going to get what I need from God. I've got to receive an answer from the Lord. Oh, church, if you lose your worship you'll lose your battles. If you lose your praise, you'll lose your battles because our battles are won in the presence of God. Our battles are won when we create a place for God to abide in, for God to move and to work in our life. That may be why you're losing some battles right now. Because you're complaining instead of worshiping. You're moaning instead of worshiping. But turn that around and give the glory to God and the praise to God this morning. Because he is worthy of all of the praise and worthy of all of the glory. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Unwilling to be turned away, she was saying, Lord... I know it's not my turn. I know I'm a Gentile, but even the Gentiles need what you have. Even the Gentiles need a, 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 that blessing that you carry, that healing that you offer, that salvation that you provide. Aren't you glad that one day Jesus came to the Gentiles and that you and I were saved by grace through faith in him? Somebody ought to give God praise. He doesn't just save Jews. He saves Gentiles as well, and he wants to do that same work in your life. Now listen to what Jesus said. He said, because of your answer, because of your words, he said, go back home. Your daughter is uh, delivered. She is healed. That demon has left her and she is asleep in her bed. Maybe that was the first time that little girl had slept in a long time. But because her mother decided, I'm still going to worship. I'm not going to give up and I'm not going to give in. I'm going to keep seeking the presence of God in my life. She made a difference for her family. You can do the same. You'll make the same difference in the life of your family if you decide, I'm still going to worship. No matter what's going on around me. When I first came to pastor the church here in Beeville, there was... A woman in the church that often, uh, always came to church very faithfully and always worshiped God very express, uh, expressively and very loudly. But then sickness came into her life and trouble came into her life. And so she stopped coming to church and she lost her worship. And then one day I, just, I found out that she was in the hospital. So I went to uh, Corpus to the hospital and now, back in that day, that old wing was still kind of half open, half closed. And you remember that old wing is kind of scary. So, you know, I'm in there trying to find. And finally, I found, I found her, and I knocked on the door, and she said, come in. 
And I come in, and then this was her reaction when she saw me. She said, what are you doing here? I wanted to say, I came to cast the devil out, lady. That's what I'm doing here. But I didn't say that. I just told her, sister, I came to pray for you. I came to encourage you that God is still good and he's still on your side. And this morning, I don't want you to become bitter and disgruntled with life just because hardships happen and difficulties come and somebody didn't come to your Thanksgiving and somebody uh, didn't invite you over. I don't want you to get dis discouraged because of the, uh, the challenges that we face as believers. You've got to decide no matter what I'm going through, I'm not going to lose my worship. Hey, if I get a bad report from the doctor, I'm still going to worship. If I get a bad news from the lawyer, I'm still going to worship. If it looks like there's no peace in the Middle East and no peace in Europe, I'm still going to worship because my God is good. He's faithful. He's present in my life, and he is worthy of my worship. He's worthy of my praise. Somebody shout it out. I'll still worship.